0: Managed to keep up most of my routine, but early morning podcast didn't fit uh, with the uh, with the health. No, I think to be
1: honest, like talking for an extended period of time when you're unwell, probably not a great idea.
0: Yeah, probably not. So I just streamed every night and talked for an extended period of time.
1: <laughs> nice. Did it help you feel better? Did it Did it improve your, oh, your no, health? It's,
0: yeah, it's more relaxed. Um, and it definitely helps me get through the days. I mean, particularly when you're streaming about
1: you know, nice things. Like, hey, I'm playing this really relaxing game. Or, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm writing some really relaxing music. Whereas here, it's just like, hey, want to talk about all the people who died and all yeah. the things that
0: went wrong? Be raging at the world's governments and stuff. Perfect. Do you want to be angry at corrupt politicians? Yeah. That'll make you feel better. Well, hopefully it makes everyone else feel better. Uh, well, yeah. it's it,
1: People are living out their catharsis through us. They get to express their rage through us.
0: Exactly. But
1: you never know, perhaps some people are, are you know, similarly shaking their fist at the
0: sky as they listen to us. Maybe, maybe. If anyone out there wants to <laughs> let us know how many times they've uh, shaken their fist at the sky while listening to the uh, podcast, please do. Please please let us know the exact number. Like an number. old man shouting at clouds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you are feeling better, that's the main thing. I am feeling mostly better, however, I had another dentist appointment this week. Oh, um, Who in all of that stress that goes in the jaw during those really just destroys mine. Oh. I got a bad enough jaw pain from being overly clenching it during the night and stuff. So like one dentist <laughs> visit sets it off for the week. Um, so I've been I've been medicating since, but it's all right. I don't hold it against a dentist. They're doing uh, vital work. And as long as you still have your teeth, that's also the the main thing. Uh, not only do I still have them, they're they're improved. Oh, okay, I've got better
1: teeth. Even better. Yeah. In terms of pain I've had this week, in the long running storyline of Colin versus the tax man, right. I have paid <gasps> my self-assessed tax. I paid it off in a winner this time. Wow. Rather than what i did last year which is when i wasn't expecting to pay as much as i did and got a very nasty surprise yeah. this year i actually kept on top of it well done and learned i could claim basically everything so <laughs> yeah, no. um i mean the, the the tax i owed was still you know a disgusting amount of money but it's paid it's done
0: and i can now
1: Avoid stressing over it until this time next year.
0: Yeah. For me, for me, I haven't paid this year yet because it was a, a lot of money and I haven't been making as much money. But that means that next year I'll have way less taxes. Yay. And next year will be a good one, hopefully.
1: See, that's the thing. It, it just makes me, it puts me off like wanting to do more work because then I think I'm just going to have to give more <laughs> of it back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> my expensive lifestyle are going to pay itself. I think a general rule for taking on more work at a certain point is, if it's beyond necessary, you set aside like more than half of it. Right, just leave more than half of all the extra work.
1: But but also it's it's not even that. It's, it's in the last month, it just everything that could have gone wrong, and, or rather that needed to be fixed, has needed to be fixed. So for example, I had to pay for my car. This week, Ah. in the garage for the fourth time this year. I think it's time to chuck it, to be honest. Uh, My shower has started leaking into the property downstairs. Had to get that resealed and re-grouted. That was horrible. Oh, dear. In terms of the financial money owed. And now my next-door neighbour wants me to pay for her repainting. I told her to bog off. Yeah, it is expensive. And then uh, my long-awaited leak into my own property has now finally been fixed, and they've quoted me for the repair uh, of the internals because, yeah, a lot of the insides are, are pretty mess, uh, messed up. Mm-hmm. That's going to be another 600 quid, Eek. which is disgusting. So yeah. this is why
0: I'm having to uh, work for the Class A team, shall we say. But yeah, but this is also an indication of, like, even what even those of us who have squeaked our way beyond poverty still struggle in, the, in our societies, right? Because we leave all of these repair jobs until they have to be done because we can't afford to be doing them until then. But if we could just afford to do them right away, it would cost like half as much. And it it would not cause all these secondary issues. But it's just the way that we currently have the world set up. To clarify, I am neither collaborating
1: with Ed Sheeran nor am I doing Class A drugs. It was an attempt at a joke. I would like uh, to clarify that. Who,
0: who, have we confirmed listens to the podcast now? Do we have like Do we have like the FBI listening all of a sudden? You're being You're being very careful. Well, I mean, it's it's more the fact that I do think there are systems
1: out there which probably do transcribe every podcast in the world and look out for the danger words. All right. And you know, someone's hit up the fact I've just said Class A and cocaine. And suddenly, uh, the FBI are listening to cease operate. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> but also, it does make me think. And someone asked me this uh, recently: if I had to get my hands on on some uh, some substances. Do
0: I uh, Would I know anyone you, you, who could get that for me? And honestly, I don't think I do. You don't know where you'd start. I know where I'd start, so I'm in a, I'm in a, in a somewhat different situation from you, I guess. I don't know what that tells us about either one of us.
1: I'd maybe, see, I don't know who you're considering. Perhaps you just know lots of shady underworld figures in your part of Glasgow, but... Uh, <laughs> not lots. I've realised a lot of my friends are basically just people I worked with. Right. As opposed to anything else. And most of them, as far as I know... I don't know. They're in media, right? ...are not taking Ket at the weekends. They certainly used to.
0: Exactly. So they might still know their old uh, supplier. That's a good point. Now you know where to start. Yay. The podcast is good for the health.
1: Sorry. Here's the the other thing. If I was ever getting into the world of of dealing drugs, I think I'd be pretty good at it. You know, I think I'd be sneaky enough that people would be like, oh, clearly can't be him. He's far too well to do.
0: Yeah. He speaks with far too much of a pronounced accent. You'd, so the, the trick for you, if you were doing the dealing, is that you would have to not change your character.
1: No, no, I would be exactly that. Yeah, I'd be just me. Yeah. And you know, the, the police officers would be like, uh, excuse me, sir, can we speak to you? And I'd say, good evening, officers. How
0: are you? How can I help? <laughs> My name's Colin Stone, former STV newsreader. Your presence actually kind of scares me a little. And that intimidation is unwelcome. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I just said like the robot from uh, iRobot. What's his name? Sonny. Oh, Sonny. That was a good performance. That's an Alan Tijic classic.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Something about dealing drugs again. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't deal drugs. (laughs) Let's clarify. Okay, we've just both clarified in the opening minutes of the show, neither of us deal drugs. No, no. Good to know. I'm glad that we are now at a stage on this show that that is a sentence that has to be said. Did it
0: have to be or are we just (laughs) leaning into it?
1: Yeah, a bit of both. I mean, we have talked about doing drugs live for literally years, and that—I'll be honest—drugs live. That moment has probably passed us by. However, drugs live. I do have flights to Amsterdam booked for March. Hey, wow! So I could I could do a recording, like a a ver- no, a remote recording of me doing drugs, and also you know, doing a segment on the podcast, well,
0: I'll, perhaps talking you through the experience. I'll be honest, I don't think we're that far away from the aforementioned Drugs Live happening uh, locally because <laughs> I think most countries out there are realising that after a financial crisis, one of the easy ways to get the uh, GDP ticking again is to oh, yeah. capitalise on some of the previously illegal substances. So, Do you think so? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I know that in the States, it is the Republicans that are wow. uh, introducing legislation to decriminalize certain things. And it, Germany are considering it as well, I believe. And if the Republicans and the Germans can do it, I'm pretty sure even Boris can do it.
1: I mean, did you see Boris? We'll, we'll talk about this, but having seen Boris this past week giving a speech <laughs> yeah. about uh, all things, including Peppa Pig World. I know that
0: he can do drugs. He may already be doing them. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll... Decriminalizes his own activities. That's a classic Tory move. Indeed. Okay, well, welcome to the show.
1: This is Seesaw Parade, episode 270. Nice, yeah. fat, thick round number for you there. A show <laughs> which is not on drugs. I'm Colin and he
0: is Jame. I am currently partaking in caffeine with a very disappointing coffee. I don't like milky <laughs> coffees anymore and I've got a milky coffee because ah. I do and I don't like it.
1: Good good to know. Also, recovered from a throat infection, nice to have you back. Sorry for the delay, everybody, but
0: illness. I'm sure you missed us. Life. It happens. It happens to me a lot. You're lucky that we record Everett. That's
1: also true. You can get in touch with the show, (laughs) seesawparade (laughs) at gmail.com. You can also at us on Twitter. At Seasaw Parade. Thank you to uh, to everybody who got in touch. We did have uh, Tom, who we most recently featured, giving us a review of uh, The Boys. It turns out he binged the first two seasons of Succession and loved it. Hey! Which uh, we did predict he he would. Um, But uh, yeah, he was very glad to hear his review and... um, slagged off his own uh, his own voice saying I definitely um denied," and, and repeated myself but it was by far my best attempt L- listeners he may have sent me four or five I, versions uh, until he he was happy with one but that's okay that's that's what happens with this show you'd be amazed how much I cut out of this show from the two of us <laughs>
0: we've been doing this for years 270 episodes there and the pauses and the redos and everything is endless
1: yeah no you'd be amazed if you listen to like an unedited Raw seesaw parade, mm. which we may do live, maybe on Twitch at some point. Then you'll you'll be like, why do I listen to this show? This is just a, a poor show. They're idiots. The only reason I listen to it is because it's the people I know in it. They're idiots and they just polish it. I, f- I feel guilty <laughs> <Yeah>. that uh, <laughs> people I know do something and I don't listen to it. I, sh- I suppose I should.
0: I see the play count and I go, oh okay, I'll do it this
1: time. <laughs> do you know what? It's something that's, I, again, it, it used to bother me. It doesn't anymore. But uh, <laughs> I, or rather we, myself, Chris and Gideon, right? put out a new Llama Bonanza song. Last week. All right,
0: yeah. yeah. And
1: uh, put out put out the video on YouTube. Now, I had I had uh, tweeted or put out another video from our uh, recording in October right. to say that this video called Child of the Dust okay. was coming out on a certain date. It was going to be out on Friday the 19th of November. Right, yeah. Whew. To the extent I was so busy that I just didn't get a chance to edit it <laughs> until the Thursday night before no. it was due to come out. Oh, dear. And I finished it at 2.45 in the morning... And Graham, my, my partner, not your your brother, right? Um, slightly awkward if they were the same person. Graham with an H <laughs> was uh, saying, "What? Can you not just wait? You know, it's it's okay if it's <laughs> a day late." Obligation. I said, "No, no." I I said I said to our loyal fans that it would be out <laughs> on this particular Friday. It's yeah. got to be ready by then. Right. And so I I published it. Okay. It went out yes. on Friday nineteenth. Absolutely. And. Uh, we're a, less than a week after it's been published, I think it's on like 22 views. I'll take
0: 22. I'll take 22. That's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it, does, it did make me reconsider,
1: was there really that much of a rush for
0: this? No, Probably no, not. there wasn't. Uh, you might have even got more views if it was a bit late. <laughs> if, I, if I give myself that deadline, it forces me to do it. So exactly. It might have never been done otherwise. In that
1: regard... Great success. And if you haven't gone to see it, we uh, went to a cave on the oh, western yeah, uh, yeah. the Isle of Goodie Lewis, yeah. just
0: a stone's throw from your yeah, house, aye, aye.
1: and um, we jumped around for a bit. It was good aye, fun.
0: stones kind of throw
1: well. And then, uh, we, Impressive stuff. And then I messed with the opacity to make it look like
0: we were all floating in someone's head. Oh, very clever, very intelligent. Uh, I actually didn't <laughs> yeah. know this song came out. I've not been on, on my social media for about a month, so I, I'll, I'll go find it. I'll go find it because I am curious.
1: To, to be fair, I am I am edging closer and closer to deleting everything because
0: I don't see the point anymore. I I, I resent the people who. Only contact me on Facebook because they're the only reason I still have Facebook.
1: Well, the only reason I still have it is because I need to do stuff on our pink elephant business page on Facebook, which nobody likes other than me. I'm literally the only person who likes our content. (laughs) So. Oh, dear. And also, like, our audience is not on Facebook. Our audience is on LinkedIn, full of, you know, the professional people.
0: Oh, yeah. Facebook does not have any professional people on it. Yeah, those ties, those ties to Facebook, they are, it's a shame that they exist. And I just hope that we can all move on before Facebook tries even harder to own I think, our very being. to be fair, it is a good thing my mum does not know that uh,
1: Pink Elephant has a Facebook page, because if she did, she would be the only person liking everything. And that, I think, would be worse.
0: <laughs> liking and commenting on it, calling the pr- presenter handsome. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's um, that's about <laughs> it. I mean, to be fair, I posted this Slama Bonanza song on our face on my Facebook, right. and she was the first person to like it and then comment oh, dear. in Gaelic oh, no. with let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight emojis. Okay. Eight.
0: It's a lot. Who needs to put eight emojis in a comment? Enthusiastic parents. That's who. <laughs> it's it's completely unnecessary. Did you, oh, yeah, my oh, my, uh, my my mom recently found my uh, one of my alternate Twitters. Oh. It's not like one of my sneaky alts. It's just one of the ones that I use for my work. She found it, followed it, and I'm like, that's just kind of awkward, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it, but it's getting it's it's it's, it's, nothing here is interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I appreciate the support, but the first like and the first comment being from your sixty-one year or sixty-year-old mother. Yeah is not the
0: vibe I'm going for, I'll be honest. It doesn't go a long way in the eSports scene. But if it means that I
1: get an extra four views for this video that I stayed up to quarter to three making, which is actually, no, it's a good video. It's a great video. Good song. Yeah. But <laughs> I'll take it. It's fine. Okay, anyway, that's uh, that's, that's beside the point. At <laughs> cease operate, or if you really must, write to us on Facebook, then you can. But, uh, you know, we'll get to a point where eventually we'll just start a P.O. Box, and that will be the only way you can get in touch with us. That would weed out the poor. Having to buy a stamp. And we'd still get a grand total of zero letters anyway, so it's fine. Okay, let's move on. Uh, lots has been happening the last little while, so let's crack on and start with the aforementioned Prime Minister and a shambolic speech oh, yeah. he gave on Monday. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start here then. Boris Johnson has been heavily criticised after he lost his place for 21 seconds in a speech to British business leaders on Monday. He also told a long, wandering tale about a visit to Peppa Pig World. Yeah. He uh, did an impression of a car. Mm -hmm. He quoted Lenin. He compared himself to Moses. Yep. Uh, It was horrendous. Unusual, yeah. And... To me, James, and this has been uh, then on the back of a lot of bad headlines for Mr. Johnson. We talked about the Owen Patterson debacle uh, a few weeks ago. Um, but also, this seems to have been just another, not quite feather in the cap. What's the opposite of feather in a cap? Uh, hole hole in the cap. <laughs> where the feather Nail once was. Nail in the foot. Nail in the f- Oh, <laughs> yuck. Ouch. Of, uh, of his dwindling support, apparently, within the comments. Now, there has been some talk that actually, perhaps this was totally intentional and actually he meant to do this, (sighs) No, um, but I think that is giving Mr. Johnson far too much credit. I believe he rocked up to this speech completely unprepared, thought he could wing it, and it was
0: a disaster. Did you see it? I have seen the highlights. I refuse to watch the full thing because I can't listen to that guy talk. I've never been able to. He's never been a good talker in my opinion. Um, So this is just, it's not really a surprise, but you know, this is a new low as far as his speeches go, for sure. Uh, do you think in terms of his, his standing
1: within the party that uh, this speech in particular has done him, uh, let's say, more damage?
0: Well, I, I, I think maybe, because the one thing that was a constant with uh, Boris through whatever many years and decades at this point is that it didn't ever really matter this what the what the substance of what he said was, which is, has always been mostly nothing. Yeah, his perception was still just like, oh, that that little oddball, the cute, the cute little oddball. Ha ha. He he. Which is like something we've leaned into as well. Right. 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 Everybody has. We all recognize that he just gets away with it because he's got his hair messed up and his tie a little bit undone. And that's about as far as his scheme ever went, is that he he his intelligence was in making himself appear to be more down to earth by not being hyper-presented and therefore when he f- messed up his speeches or when he said weird things it was just like ah that's classic Boris but this time it didn't really go that way because he messed up and everyone was like that was really bad so then the Tories are all seeing it and going oh maybe the goofball uh, public uh, front is not actually working so well anymore and I think it isn't working so well anymore and it will keep losing its uh potency over time until we do all recognise his actual substance behind his words, which is that of someone not very smart about what they're saying. Well, as as you've spoken about at
1: length on the show before, James, you've said right. that uh, essentially Boris will serve his role until he is no longer useful or, he, or he's essentially passed his best. Yeah. And what's happened over the last few weeks, both with, with Owen Patterson and that whole debacle, but also Ooh, yeah. this particular speech... Is only going to lower his his standing in the eyes of his party, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there
0: have now been conversations about okay, well, who's next? Who would step up? Who would uh, take over? Oh, they are scheming for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's been votes of no confidence whispered around here and there. There's there is there have been meetings. Boris has been called to to talk to committees and stuff like that. So yeah, his uh, strength, which was always just the uh, a transactional thing is they're they're kind of realizing that their end of the transaction is now worth way more than his and therefore they can just uh, get rid of him at this point however it still seems like it maybe isn't the best time for them to do that there's a lot more fall guy to be done yeah than just what is we're still not finished the pandemic we still we've still we're still in the middle of quite a lot of crisis so i'm thinking they'll they'll want to hold on on the on the on the cashing in of the Boris until a few more things are gone. But it does feel inevitable at this point. And then the Tories will pick our next PM again. There was also in the, the last week or so, this affects
1: much fewer, far fewer of our listeners, but it was the HS2, this high-speed rail link, yeah, yeah. which uh, after many, many years of planning, has now been, essentially the north part of it, scrapped. So rather than build uh, miles and miles of uh, this high-speed train line from the Midlands to Leeds, yeah. that is now gone. I believe it will only go as far as Manchester. Yeah. And uh, basically the rest of the network will be improved under the integrated rail plan. <laughs> it's great. Which um, I think was described as... As the cheap and nasty option. Yeah. So that has also not helped, particularly in that part of the country where he did get a lot of uh, blue votes and blue counties that uh, the Tories were getting for the first time. Yeah. Are now seeing them essentially backtrack on this promise to connect the north of England with uh,
0: everything that happens in London. Man, it's just so shocking that the Tories wouldn't invest in the north. I am I am amazed. That they, I would have voted for them as well if I was there. Uh, no, it's 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 another it's another one of those stories, and it's another manifesto pledge I believe being dropped. Um Keir Starmer's doing that as well, though, uh, but he's actually got no power at all, so it's less embarrassing. Um, it's just more pledges being being dropped, more projects being lost, more more of everything going wrong. And again, it is Boris that is going to be taking the blame. Now he's not. He's not. I think he's run out of people further down uh, the pyramid to to blame things on. We've had a few people let go, and maybe there's nobody else the party's willing to sacrifice for Boris' sake. I guess we'll see uh, where this all leads. Um, I, I don't. I don't know the timeline though. Right. Right. So my final point on this
1: would be that i think it is probably too soon and that boris does have a track record of bouncing back from yep. what seems like the brink but that being said mm-hmm. i think within his own party maybe not maybe less so in the eyes of the electorate because it's still like oh there's just bumbling boris just doing his thing oh her. lovely peppa pig world what a great lad he is within his own party oh yeah it's very much uh okay no this guy needs to get a grip rather than this guy needs to get out. Yeah. So I suspect there will be... And he was on the back foot in, uh, at PMQs. Uh, you know, Sir Keir Starmer basically had an, an open goal. Yeah. That being said, I still think he's got, as you say, more room
0: to mess up, further to go, before he actually gets uh, ousted. Yeah, I do think that the Prime Minister's question side of it is also pretty interesting, because he's never done that great at PMQs. He's been That's true. letting in these open open uh, goals for as long as I remember. So since the early weeks, I remember him getting dunked on. Um, and he'd often take breaks to avoid getting questions during difficult weeks and stuff like that. Um, whereas the reporting in those early days always tried to focus on what Boris actually said, ignoring the whole uh, context and ignoring the dunks and ignoring the uh, the losing. And they just report this is what Boris said and try and frame it in a good way like that. Whereas now they're just not really doing that anymore. So a big element of his bouncing back has always been this very light hand of the media when it approaches him, a very light hand of the reporters. But now they're kind of being a bit more honest, which implies that maybe he's also losing some influence within those circles, not just within the Tory group. So we will have to see if that holds or maybe next week's PMQs will go bad and everyone will be like, Boris had this to say about immigration and it will be back to normal.
1: Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about COVID. I'm going to start with a quote here. This was from Jen Spahn, who is the uh, health minister in Germany, who said, oh, yeah. by the end of the winter, everyone in this country will either be vaccinated, recovered or dead. Right. This is on the back of Germany, who are now in the grip of a fourth wave of COVID.
0: Huge spike, yeah.
1: Cases uh, rising rapidly. Hospitals are full. It's got apparently one of the lowest vaccination rates in Western Europe with only 68% of people. That's just over two in three fully vaccinated uh, we've had uh, there are health experts in the country warning that their fourth wave could be the worst yet and um, they've seen some of the highest infections in the world and this is a, a picture james which is being replicated across as i say there western europe so to take that over to austria now we'll, we'll reflect on what the germans have said in just a second austria have gone back into full lockdown and importantly, has said there will now be a legal requirement to be vaccinated mm-hmm. from February 2022. So again, this is in response to record case numbers. And again, one of the lowest vaccination rates in Western Europe. Yeah, I suspect we will see more countries uh, imposing restrictions. There was talk in Scotland this week about uh, changes to, for example, needing to show your vaccine passport at cafes, cinemas theatres, but uh, Sturgeon said said no, and instead actually you just need proof of a negative COVID test or your vaccine passport. Ah, yeah, yeah, so, James, let's let's start then with the European uh, way, shall we? Okay. The fact that Jen Spahn here said either vaccinated, recovered or dead, yeah. which is accurate. Yeah, it's very, yeah, blunt. Yeah, very blunt. And then the Austrians who are actually making vaccination a legal mandate. Is that a step too far?
0: Uh, no. Um, Why? I think when you've got something that is just so widespread and not really a personal decision because it's so easy to catch it and spread it, you have to mandate for certain things. Like, at the comparison, people are always calling on is like, um, car safety laws and stuff like that, whether it be seatbelts, whether it be right. uh, all the other minor things that are still legal when you're within a dangerous vehicle. It turns out that now... And it's not a surprise because we've been doing this for a couple of years. Being a person is kind of dangerous in general because we can spread a virus that can kill people. So when being a person is dangerous, it makes sense to me uh, to mandate that everyone who can should take the vaccine. Otherwise, you are being a risk and otherwise you are being a danger and you should face the consequences of being that danger. Um, There is always a worry of government overstep with such things, but we've had enough time now that it would even be for a normal vaccine enough time for me to have full faith in it without the expediated nature of this vaccine with the fancy new technology they used. Um, And generally, we've already got similar things going on for all sorts of uh, places and people. We've got very similar laws. This isn't really overstepping beyond what Uh, governments already do in many cases. Um, I also think that they can take this calculated risk because a lot of the countries in Europe are experiencing massive amounts of anti-vaccine and anti-lockdown and anti-this and that protests that are getting pretty violent even though there aren't really any lockdowns or vaccine mandates. Everyone is just so easy to manipulate that they're protesting against things that aren't happening. So the government can just do those things and get the same protests anyway. So I can see why they're doing this step. And I don't think it's like some erosion of uh, of uh, liberty to prioritize the freedom of everyone over f- the the freedom of one individual i think it is very strange okay. that people lean on this idea of individual freedom being the only freedom that matters when to me I will take, and I, I would hope that many people would take a lot of steps to reduce their personal freedom for the sake of everybody living freely. So um, just just at this
1: point, uh, let me put forward a couple of thoughts. Uh, playing devil's advocate in a way, sure. but also I, I agree somewhat with, somewhat with what you're saying. So for example, if we look at polio, Polio uh, was last a, a serious illness that could, and did, kill mainly children, about to uh, about 700 a year, uh, somewhere between the 1920s and 1950s. It was eventually, essentially made law yeah. that ch- that kids under five had to have a polio vaccine, yeah. and polio was then eradicated. Yeah. We haven't had a polio death since the 19, 1972, I believe. And laws were involved. Right. The same is true of mumps, measles, rubella, which was, up until recently a mandated vaccine that kids got, and people, again, the last time there was a serious outbreak of measles, which ended in death, mm-hmm. was decades ago. But in the last few years, because people have become anti-vax, yeah. we are now seeing outbreaks of measles again. So to that point, I do agree partially with this idea of give everyone the vaccine, therefore we're going to clamp down on the amount or rather the seriousness of... Of the infection. I, I'm sh- I read some articles last week which said that basically the vaccine is less good at preventing you catching it, but it is very good at preventing you becoming seriously yeah, ill or that's dead. That's the point. That's the whole point
0: of vaccines in general, yeah.
1: Okay. But to play devil's advocate, do you not feel it sets
0: a dangerous precedent if a government is saying you must legally get this no. injection? Because there's, just, there's a massive amount of science behind it and it's already something that's been in place. We've had.
1: But do you not believe, though, that, for example, people should be allowed to make Make their own choice, even if their own choice are, makes
0: them dead. Within this law, there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of exclusions. There's a whole bunch of okay uh, ways that like there's there's entire groups of people that are exempt from the vaccine just by default. In in almost every single one of these laws that I've seen, I can't say every single one okay because I haven't seen all these laws. But there, even even as far as like religious reasons are written into the law as reasons to be exempt oftentimes in these situations it's the same reason that like uh hospitals treat people differently depending on religion so does the law sometimes when it comes to health yeah um so i i get, and I'm not hundred percent familiar with the uh Austrian uh, uh mandate that's coming in but it would very much surprise me if there wasn't that same pattern of exemptions are available for sometimes very weak reasons, in my opinion, of which religion is one of them. I think, I think it is, it's, uh, an unusual thing to claim to be of uh, some compassionate religion, while also impinging on everyone else's freedom for the sake of your own. Right. But it's the same as there's the same arguments that are said about everything. You go back in time; people said the same thing about seatbelts being man- mandatory. They did. People said the same thing about <laughs> people say the same thing about education being mandatory. It's like government overstep is always this massive uh, demon. But it is a it's a it's a fake demon that people use to try and bolster their own popularity for the most part or their own opinions for the most part. It's a repeating argument that's been said countless times and it's never been correct. And they've always just had to shift it to the next thing. That is, how look okay. at this. This is a sign that the government's going to start like telling you what food you're going to be eating every day. Mm-hmm. Like, and what how much free time you're allowed to have every single day. Um, just because we can have exceptional circumstances lead to exceptional laws, doesn't mean that normal circumstances are going to have exceptional laws. It doesn't. It doesn't follow logically.
1: O- on the before we move on onto the UK and and here north of the border, cases have been on the rise for a little while. They're yet to get to to record breaking levels, but they are slowly rising as was expected over this particular period. Yeah. Uh, do you expect there will be? Regulations or new restrictions brought in over, let's say, Christmas and New
0: Year. Looking into your crystal ball, uh, I know. I think I do, 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 does the government have enough popularity to pull that one off? Does either the Scottish or the UK government have enough popularity to pull off regulations over the festive season? I don't think so. After last year, I don't think they do. Um, I think if if I think restrictions and new rules and stuff should have been in place some time ago by now, but there aren't. So I've not got much hope for a, a speedy response at any point from now on. It's the same copy paste story from the day one of the of the uh, of the pandemic. Is uh, we're going to be responding too late. Again, it's never going to be surprising if we get some new l- rules or some new laws or whatever because it feels inevitable. Um, but it's all it's going to feel too late. I doubt it's going to be in time for for whatever the whatever the big crisis is and like. I think they're still just pinning all their hopes on eventually this thing will just become normal rather than trying to deal with the the deaths that are still ongoing. I do want to do one thing about the, the German slogan there. Oh, yeah. It, it is incredibly effective and blunt. I love that effective blunt stuff. It is. But I don't quite remember it because I'm not German. I don't speak German. It was also a play on words with their usual coronavirus slogan. I know that their usual slogan is three words, each beginning with G, um, and then the health minister just replaced the last one to be death, which also begins with G. Oh. Um, so, there was another meta level to it that made me really appreciate it as a as a choice of language in uh, in whatever speech he was giving.
1: OK, let's uh, move on to another particularly uh, difficult story, which is still unfolding. At least 27 people headed for the UK have drowned in the English Channel near Cali mm-hmm. after their boat sank. So, mm-hmm. the International Organization for Migration said it was the biggest single loss of life in the channel since it started collecting data in 2014. Uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has said he was appalled. We've also had uh, Emmanuel Macron, the French president, agreeing to step up efforts to prevent such crossings. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've had a few people arrested near the Belgian border. But uh, yeah, it looks like at this point, 27 um, confirmed deaths, five women and a girl among them. And uh, they were still looking for other people in the water as of... um, it would have been Thursday, Thursday afternoon. Yeah. So, James, this is something which uh, rears its head now and again, and it gives people on the right a chance to, uh, well, essentially, call for tougher immigration I laws. Mean, no, what's the you know, tougher
0: laws is why this happens, right?
1: <laughs> pr- precisely. So, so, what's your? Yeah. Uh, how do, for example the UK and France work together to
0: to prevent these numbers of people drowning. Mm. OK, well, so specifically that question is great, yeah.
1: Because people were, people are going to continue to cross you know, exactly. regardless of what happens. So there
0: has to be a safer way of doing this. Yeah, and it's by making legal means easier. Right, And it's by making approachable things happen, right? When you criminalise activities that prey on people, which in this case is trafficking, basically, because people are volunteering to be trafficked for other people's profit... Um, The victims end up being the people at the bottom of the chain, which are very often people just desperate for something, which is which in this instance is movement. And in other cases is things like drug access and stuff like that. Um, And when you criminalize the activity, those people end up victims. So the only thing that France and the UK can do if they want to reduce the total number of people dying is make it easier, make it legal, have proper channels and have, pun not intended, have proper... uh, resources to make sure that no matter how many people are wanting this, that they can have the resources needed to have safety. But that's not going to be the response, because as you say, a bunch of people with anti-immigration leanings will take this as, a, as almost a success story. I wouldn't be surprised if there was celebration within certain teams, because it's more people dying instead of making it here, and it makes migration look like the bad guy for them somehow. Um, and that will be the response that is blasted across the media. It won't be the compassionate response. It'll be the response that gets the most clicks. And instead of leaning towards the compassion, which is the answer to the question for what should France and the UK do? Be compassionate. They'll lean towards like, what should France and the UK do? Try even harder to make it more difficult to cross so that fewer people are yeah. willing to take the risk. But those that do are even more likely to die. And they're just going to end up with even more deaths. You can't make it so unappealing that people won't try.
1: Do you not think, though, that uh, essentially that hardline stance is, as we've seen in the last few months, with the amount of public support the Tories
0: have, is actually what the, the majority of British people want? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why it's going to work, because we've got this constant cycle of blaming the foreigner for our bad things. It is a, it is a stance that gets popularity. But the truth is that we need them. We need the immigrants. We need the workers. We need the families, because that's just the way that populations function. Um, our population is going to get so top heavy that we're going to be in a crisis. What we need is people who are who are from a a a different background who will take work, um, and who will. Uh, provide, again, like, this is from a purely, like, horribly statistically-driven mindset. We need people who will be paying taxes. We need people who will be having more than one kid. And that's not to be found within Britain's shores on average anymore, if you just look at the stats. So what we need yeah. is to bolster that with open immigration, but instead we just keep closing it further and further. And it's, again, it's very, it sounds super selfish, and it is. Like, for my own good, I would like immigration, but it's also for their good. Everyone wins
1: okay james let's move on and talk entertainment and first of all what we've been watching Whoa. now it has been almost a couple of weeks now so we do have a collection of movies here i've got uh in fact we both have three because we both saw dune yeah June. and i deleted a D- couple of other ones from the list of things to talk about i watched so many things right. And I'm currently midway through Zack Snyder's Justice League, so... Wow! So much going on, right? Let's start then, shall we, with Dune, which is still like Dune, let's rebel. Okay, fine. Rebel
0: against the Americans.
1: The thing is, I was saying it for the benefit of our listeners, so when we said we were watching Dune and people searched J U N E, they were like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. But no, Dune with a D, but it's also Dune. Yeah. Yeah. Dune with a double O. <laughs> anyway, myself and James went to see it. And it was, it was so good. glorious let's let's talk about uh well, to, to remind people this is the um, essentially the the sci-fi which has been uh, made
0: twice in the past but both were unsuccessful and... Herbert liked one of the adaptions right this is it wasn't okay. necessarily unsuccessful it was just kind of really hard to execute without a lot of tech.
1: Okay, uh, but now we are at a, po- a place where we have lots of tech and also a very good director in Denny Villeneuve and also a super star-studded cast with basically mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it, and the thing is, it works. It is, I think, a, 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 a unbelievable piece of art in terms of the scale, the scope, the visuals, the storytelling. Now, from that aspect, you've read the book. Yeah. So you know kind of what's playing out on screen and what bits have been kept. Yes. So let me ask
0: for your thoughts... On, on that aspect first. I, I think that you you can see the love that Villeneuve and I'm sure his entire team have for this story because they kept the absolutely essential stuff. Right. Because the story is so huge and because this, the characters are so well done, you have to cut an actual ton of content. And they did. They, they, they filmed loads of stuff that got cut on the editing floor, which is normal. Um, and just knowing some of that stuff, I'm like, but that was like a super important scene or that was a super important character detail. But then I watched the film and I'm like, what? I guess when you frame things this way, it's not so important. So they've made some really good decisions of what they chose to keep Okay. while making this into a film rather than a book. And I, I think that shows a huge amount of love and care. And it's very visible in that and many other ways in the production.
1: Now, this is, uh, as we mentioned recently, was only greenlit as a part one. Yeah. And then after a week of being out, Warner Brothers said, OK, fine, you can have a part two. Yes. And that was clearly, clearly reflected both in the reviews, but also it has done decently... At the box office. I'm sure it still needs a little bit more to to make a decent yeah, I mean, amount of profit. It's, but is it
0: crossing 100 million in the US at this point? And it's getting out... Yeah, I think worldwide it's about 350, which yeah, is it's a, okay. it's getting an IMAX re-release in the US. So like pretty good for pandemic-y times. Right. I,
1: and as for the way in which, you know, we saw this with Blade Runner 2049, another... Oh
0: man, I love that. Know, yeah.
1: Very long, very expensive sci-fi done by Denis Villeneuve, but was very well received although it didn't really make any money at yeah, all broke even. what do you think is the difference this time because that was pre-pandemic now we're still in a world where people are less comfortable going to the cinemas and uh, particularly if you know they release dune on streaming yeah. services on the same day it comes out
0: which I is I what they did one of the because they both had very good marketing campaigns they both had a lot of yep. uh, anticipation they both have a culty fan base star power i think one of the main differences for me is that blade runner as a film was still in people's memory okay so like a sequel isn't so cool and isn't so exciting as something that is brand new and fresh to like an actual new audience and even the even the people who are in the culty following of the book are like this is a new at that and we haven't seen this film we've only read the book instead of like oh i guess it's a follow-up to a film that i liked before, right, right. So I'm, i thinking that might be the thing that tick the extra ten percent of people to see it to make this an actual profitable uh, film, even in a pandemic. And, and I, I'm gutted because I would love to have seen the true potential of this without all of the difficulties of uh, the cinema experience as things stand. Do you think they will release a director's cut that's like four hours long? I am begging them to. One of my <laughs> only, I, I, I took v- down very few notes because I figured i let you take lead on most of the topics as it is a fresh thing for you one of my only notes is that i definitely could happily watch this film be six hours long with all the stuff that i know wasn't in the film okay and wh- the, all the footage that i know was shot and then deleted but also all the stuff that was never even shot because it was yeah. removed just from the book i would watch it it was i was surprised uh, how slow and patient the film felt, but still how invested I was and how it, I never lost attention. I, I, I sometimes struggle to keep attention on things. I was engrossed the whole time. It would, it would have flown by. Knowing all the extra material, I could have watched this for half a day. And been Fair enough. happy and and still had the same ending. I liked it so much, I saw it a second time with Graham. Oh. So Yeah, yeah. And he loved it as well. I'm 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 looking forward to my uh, second viewing and I'm I'm desperate for them to release uh extended cut. I think this is technically the director's cut. Okay. I think this is Villeneuve's perfect film. Right. But I would love an extended cut anyway. Um and I'm really happy that there's a second one because I would have been I would have been weeping <laughs> if there wasn't. It was so good. I need more. Um, I, I, I say one of the things that I missed the most was, and it's not—it's not even that they did a bad job. They—they they didn't quite grasp the significance of water on the planet. Okay. There are there was a one key scene about water loss that they didn't put in the film, even though they left the surrounding scene in the film. They removed mm-hmm. one element of a scene, and it was like I was—I was anticipating that, and it didn't happen, and then my heart broke a little bit. But I think it's okay because they did all they did they added other stuff and watchers still felt important, but not important enough. Fair enough. Okay,
1: well dear listener, if you have seen or
0: watched a movie or finished
1: yeah. a TV show or a book or done something fun that you want to review, you can send it to us ceaseoperate at gmail.com or send us an audio recording. You can do that on WhatsApp if you or Discord or even Facebook if you really, really want to annoy us. Yeah. Ed from the Dokio Podcast has sent us a written review to operate so at gmail.com but because we have so many movies I think six this week I am
0: saving that for next week Ed so thank you for sending that in I've got, I've got one question for you about the film what did you think about the CGI and practical effects? I, I thought it was seamless I, I thought
1: it was first class I was unable to tell that's exactly it what was legitimate uh, in terms of what they actually did in practical well, the, the effects the big worm
0: was probably not real well
1: clearly but the majority of things other than the giant yeah. 400 foot sandworm you're thinking was w- did they actually make that or is, is that entirely CGI yeah. and that to
0: me is really impressive it was it was so good and they grounded everything so well everything felt like it was actually in the story not like we were supposed to see it as an omnipotent viewer but that we had perspectives of it I, th- I was super impressed with their camera work decisions yeah. for CG stuff and their and their CG camera work as well because everything was grounded even the movement of cameras and things like that. I was, I was my mind was melting. Okay. I'm looking forward to seeing it again Indeed. so much. Right,
1: James, I've got a couple of movies. You've got a couple. I'm just gonna give a few sentences on Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Oh my days. I wish I never went. It is <laughs> undoubtedly one of the worst movies of the year. If you enjoyed Venom, I'm sure you'll enjoy Venom 2. It's going to make so much
0: money, though. <laughs> but,
1: oh my, it, it's it's badly written. It's poorly scripted. Thankfully, it's 90 minutes long, so that's fine. But, we do uh, need more
0: 90-minute films these days. Not enough
1: <laughs> films are getting sliced down to the 90. That is true, which is, I think, partially why I went to see it. Woody Harrelson as Carnage is just, like, he's, he's trying his best but they all clearly realized this film is an absolute <laughs> heap of junk and it's it's not funny it's the cgi is effy i oh, i hated it i absolutely oh, hated it and uh as soon as it finished i thought why did i go to this although in, in fact sorry I, I'll, I'll take that back the only thing i liked was the post credit scene there was that right. was literally the only bit of the movie i thought oh interesting do you want to spoil it for me? I'm not going to watch it. Nope. Nope. I'm just going to leave it there. Oh, I'll tell you after after we finish because some people would be annoyed by it. Okay. Okay, James, hit me with one movie and then I'm going to spend a little bit more talking about the new Marvel movie, Eternals. I watched The Green Knight. Okay. So give us a little bit yeah. of a reminder as to what this is because we did talk about the trailer probably about 18 months ago.
0: Yeah. So this is uh, artsy, whatever the studio is, A23, A24. A20. A22. 22 Two. A27? 22 It's a road of some kind. P uh, 69 ad- Adaptation of a uh, Arthurian Legend, the classic. Yes. Um, if you don't know the story of the Green Knight, watch the film you'll kind of get it if you do know the story of the green knight watch the film because they change it enough that it's super interesting and it's dev patel um, in the lead role it's dev patel lead role most of the film is him of course because most of the characters are very very b characters aside from him um and he he's phenomenal uh, f- phenomenal he's phenomenal in it is great wonderful uh, loved every second of his acting really um because they lean into the theatrics They know that they're making an artsy film. They know they're making a weird film. And the acting, all of it, has this kind of slight overdramatic element to it, Okay. but in a good way. And it's got this slight weird element to it, but in a good way. And it really pulls together. So... The film, and I watched quite a lot of films over the last couple of weeks. Uh, This was the standout interesting one. It was incredibly stylish, incredibly artsy. My mind was melting the whole time. Uh, It was thought-provoking in the things it was doing. Um, It was, uh, again, it's like directorial decisions and editing decisions that were making these things stand out really well done. You could tell that it was aiming to be a film and not aiming just to be like, mass appeal, make the most money, this is a great project thing. I I, I would be surprised if it got much, like, awards recognition, because it feels beyond awards uh, in a lot of ways for me. Um, And the more time I spend thinking about elements of the film, the more I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to when I have the time to go watch some videos people have written about the film, because I find other people are smarter than me and will have seen things in this film that are far deeper than I would have seen. Um, the it's not just Dev Patel who is good, the acting in general is good, even the minor characters they they all stand out and they, they do a great job of what they're asked to do um, so overall highly recommend this film if you're someone who enjoys artsy film experiences if you don't enjoy that stuff maybe if you really like Arthurian stuff, you'd enjoy it, but it it isn't a low level film. You got to have your brain on to enjoy all the symbolism, storytelling. Okay, it is. They've 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 really nailed what it is to adapt something to the screen because they've made the screen a part of the experience. there's not just the device.
1: That's very cool. And is it on? You say it's on Prime. <sighs>
0: I think it was in Prime, yeah. Yeah, cool.
1: Okay, well, let me tell you about Marvel's Eternals. This is out in cinemas right now. It will probably be on Disney Plus in a couple of months if you follow previous Marvel movies. Oh, it oh, is... oh,
0: oh, oh, before it, before If you don't watch it with your parents or your kids, uh, there is... Okay. You'll... Why? I don't want to spoil it, but... Semen is on the screen. <laughs>
1: Interesting. I I would love to know the context of
0: that. Not but also, I like really wouldn't. Naked giants. But there was also another part where semen was actually in frame. That's very okay. They, I say as I said, they lean into the art. See, they lean into the. This is just how it is being presented.
1: I mean, I I hope they don't literally lean into it. That's uh, unpleasant. <laughs> like Dev had
0: a major accident on set. Slipped. <laughs>
1: I'll be honest, I think the last time I, I saw that in a movie was uh, Call Me By Your Name. But that was expected because that was kind of the whole
0: point. I think it's a thing. I think it's an actual, it's, it's a recurring thing in uh, films produced by Random Road Studio. Okay. Anyway, let's uh very difficult to segue from
1: Giant semen to uh, Marvel. Well... <laughs> Having said that, no, it's the same kind of consistency. This is the. It's gross. This is the new movie from.
0: <laughs> it wasn't Giant Seaman. Those are two Stop. different things.
1: Okay. This is the new movie from Marvel Studios, really leaning into, <laughs> leaning into their Phase 4, I think, or maybe Phase 5. It's a new phase after the uh, yeah, end yeah, game right. yeah, yeah. and uh, all the shenanigans that happened there. So, this is another. A-list star-studded cast, you've got the likes of Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, you've got Gemma Chan in the lead role, Kit Harington, who's better known as Jon Snow from Game of Thrones, as well as, yeah, there's all sorts of really high-profile actors in this movie, and it's directed by Oscar winner Chloe Zhao, who won Best Director for Nomadland, which is basically the total antithesis of this movie. So <laughs> let me let me tee this up. This is essentially the, st- the story of also uh, Salma Hayek's in this as well. She's an, although also an A-lister. This is the story of 10 superheroes called Eternals. Yes. And they live on Earth... And they're there to protect humans when they're told to. Yeah, from yeah,
0: protect them from one specific thing.
1: Precisely, by this celestial who's like a, a god who lives somewhere else in the universe called Arishim. They're told basically what to do, but for the last 5,000 years they haven't been told anything. So they're all just doing their own thing, living life as a... Immortal beings in yeah. various uh, disguises. Oh, Kamal Nanciani's in this too. Sorry, I keep remembering. It's, it's an oh. endless cast. It's huge. Brian Tyree Henry. Oh, it's it, yeah. There's there's endless endless people in this. So that's the premise, and it goes on for around about two hours and forty minutes. Right. It is a long one among the longest Marvel films. It's certainly the longest Marvel origin movie by quite some distance. Yes, yeah,
0: the longest non mashup film.
1: And the thing is, there is so much in this movie to like. Okay. For example, Brian Tyree Henry, Henry <laughs> Brian Tyree Henry, yes. plays, I believe, the first gay superhero. Yes, which is d- depicted on screen. He has a he has a husband and a kid. Oh, and uh, that scene where he kisses his husband goodbye has sadly been cut from various countries in Southeast Asia. But yeah. that's by the by. Yeah. There is a gay superhero on screen. That's great. There is a Asian female lead, Gemma Chan she's okay but it's the fact that she's a she's the lead character there's a korean actor there's a deaf actor Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. first one ever yeah genuinely she's deaf and that's that's a big part of the movie all these things there's you know portrayals of ptsd of you know mental health issues all sorts of really interesting and powerful themes so it's such a shame that this movie is just so boring it is beyond <laughs> oh, no. dull and it is easily in my book in the bottom 3 of marvel movies oh, ever oh no and it's because it's not because for example with thor dark world which is often at the bottom of people's ranks you know it's a toss up between the two because they're bad for different reasons right. the dark world was bad because it was classic superhero underdeveloped villain bad scripting, bad dialogue, unfunny, right, cliché right, right, action right, right. sequences, blah yeah. blah blah. Whereas in Eternals just it's just ponderous. Right. And the I mean the the dialogue is okay, but it's it's not here's one thing I will say about it. There's there's maybe two Marvel-esque jokes in it.
0: Yeah. And that's it. That's not surprising.
1: And neither, and neither of them work. Okay. <laughs> but it's also the fact that, you know, the villains... They put one of them in the trailer, right? They did, yes. The, the whole Ikea table thing. Okay. The villains are forgettable. Yeah. The, the only thing I liked about it was that the charisma of a few of the superheroes, in particular, uh, Kamail Nanjiani as Kingo and Brian Tyree Henry's Fastos... Right. Yeah. ...are, are great. Uh, Barry Keown, the uh, Irish actor, is also playing uh, one of the... He plays Druig. Also very, very good. So if I was to go back and a few years ago and go up to Kevin Feige and say, hey, you're going to make an Eternals movie, I would say choose like a couple of them and make them the the centerpiece of the movie. Because what they attempt to do is make all 10 of them. The centerpiece of the movie, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, this sounds very Marvel. Yeah, the only thing that worked was there is a, a kind of a bait and switch. You think the movie's going one way, and it turns and says, "Aha, we got yeah, that's you." No surprise either. Yeah, yeah. But actually, it worked. It it, it totally worked. I didn't see it coming. So there is a couple aspects of it, and yeah, there's bits of the end, which yeah, I'd say fair enough. Just usual CGI boss fight at the end. You know how it goes. Okay, yeah, 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 But there were some unexpected character decisions, which I actually welcomed. Okay. For example, there will be some characters who will not be coming back. Ooh. And that actually is fine because of the story they told. Right, yeah. However, at the end, and you may have seen this already on social media, there is a post-credits scene in which a very high-profile singer-turned-actor is introduced to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, I have not seen this. And I'm not going to see who it is because it would spoil it. And that was bad. It's, <laughs> it's the accent <laughs> awful. The introduction awful. And this idea that yeah, it finishes with the Eternals will return and you think okay. don't really want them to. <laughs> you know if it was based uh, on
0: that one? Yeah.
1: No, so the only thing I can think is and they actually did maintain the most charismatic uh, superheroes, right, 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 which you could then build a sequel around. And they, clearly, they've set it up for a sequel. The only thing I can think is that it, they go down the route of Thor, and you, Thor, was very much a kind of oh yes, I'm very serious, and yes, I'm very serious superhero. And then there was
0: some humor, yeah. They
1: did Thor Ragnarok, and suddenly he's actually like one of the best characters because they've given
0: him character.
1: And not yeah, just... they
0: got and they got rid of the cringy humor, right? That they had in the second film.
1: So I do think there is still hope for them, and particularly now that there's a kind of a slimmed down cast. Yeah. So no, I... it, it was. It just, I would never
0: ever want to see it again. Oh dear! Yeah, I, I'm. I'm very keen to see it. I'm getting the feeling that I'll like it more than, than most people will. But yeah, probably. But, won't but it's be. also the
1: fact that. Sorry, it's also the fact that Chloe Zhao, whose film Nomadland I watched this year and really enjoyed, yeah, is it's so different for her to then go into a Marvel movie and attempt to put her stamp on it. And there is, you know, there are hints. Of her directorial style in there. Right. You know, yeah. lots and lots yeah. of solo single facial shots, you know, close-ups of people to essentially get the reaction. Uh handheld shots rather than, you know, the kind of the big broad sweeping uh camera shots. You know, it's clearly done on a much more uh yeah. auteur level. Like they want to make it feel like a film rather than just a big CGI movie. But that being said, you still have to have them all fight on a big beach against this six-limbed creature at the end. Right, right, yeah. And you think, well, you know, it's all well and good having an Oscar winner, but not when you f- essentially force her into a corner yeah. to make
0: her do this stuff. No, I, like, I, 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 I hoping, I'm hoping as lessons learned for Marvel that they can kind of have high goals in terms of making things that feel different, but they have to allow for things to be made for human beings. So, yeah. I remember the whole build up to the film there was this confusion about how they're going to be presenting it and the like there isn't a main character and there needs to be. When you're prese- when you're introducing an entire new subset of characters, you've got to have an insert character for the for us to to feel attached to and to feel like we are uh, connected with and to experience things through. And uh, I was hoping they, they did that and there was just bad marketing in terms of trailers and stuff. But hearing that they didn't, I'm kind of like, that's a big shame because you need that grounding in a, in a big film like this. And uh, I, I'm assuming it's very easy lessons to learn for Marvel. Um, um, I'm just hoping they try again. With interesting things like this, with yeah. more stylish films, with uh, slower paced stuff. Um, but I think big lesson learned is that you can't just remove the humor and remove the, the quippiness and still have a good film. You need to also have a different goal. Yeah, I don't think they had an established goal right
1: and it's also the fact that there would be some people who would say oh but no you, you should love this stuff Colin because it's done by Chloe Zhao and it's got a deaf character and it's got a gay character and it's got really thoughtful themes not at all you can still have a bad boring movie with all those themes in it yeah, exactly. so I congratulate them for
0: at least attempting to do something unmarvel. Yeah, but it just didn't work but uh, yeah it sounds like they just didn't have any drive they removed all their usual drive and they didn't put any other drive in there instead uh, and also I'm glad glad they didn't ask Richard Madden to do a different
1: accent because he's very Scottish in this. And actually, I think it's fine. Same with Barry Keogh. He's very Irish
0: and it's also oh, good. Uh, per- yeah, perfect. Yeah. that's yeah. Uh, there needs to be more non-generic hero accent. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, wait till you see the post credit
0: scene then. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Which uh,
1: basically does the opposite. Anyway, time is ticking by. James, what was the last movie you watched? Not
0: a film. Series. Oh. I watched Arcane. Arcane. It's a, a game to Netflix series of animation interesting i'm surprised you didn't know what it was because it has been plastered everywhere Uh, as it's been coming out because it is a very successful game to other media story interesting Uh, this is from riot and league of legends the game their established lore is kind of being adapted to uh, media, and I think this is their first project of a few that are planned, and now that this first one's gone so well, they seem to be keen to be working on the rest. So, so
1: to be clear, um, sorry, sorry,
0: to be clear, this is a League of Legends-inspired animation. Yes. And nine episodes, pretty long episodes, kind of like a f- short film, in th- three short films, really, but separated out into nine episodes. Okay. Um... And th- our first thing to review is that it is way better than expected considering nice. uh, Netflix, considering game, considering League of Legends. Sorry, sorry,
1: I'm interrupting you again. I'm just reading about it now. Hayley Steinfeld, who's the big actress, is uh, is one of the key voices. And also, yeah. as of, oh, let's see, the first week of its release it set the record as netflix best rated show yeah.
0: so far after a week of its premiere and it's not surprising it's, g- it's genuinely really really good okay uh, i'll just i'll just bump through some notes and then see if i've got any summary points at the end the animation is not lazy so it's good this is i think you see a lot in western animation like like uh, you see a lot of lazy animation like the marvel what if series i consider is pretty lazy even if well executed this animation is not lazy it is good um, it be but beyond just being good, they they had their own style. It felt unique, and they were relying a lot on motif and like they actually had art behind their decisions, which is very important. And they executed it well. Uh, the characters are not just a direct copy paste from the established lore. So the, one of the lead characters, if you just read about their lore and stuff like that, is kind of pretty cringy, but in the in the series they're very three-dimensional um they're not they're not shallow and this goes for all of the characters that they've pulled into this series they've they've added to the to the lore that existed they're 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 kind of rewriting their lore a lot so even if you know the lore it's a really cool fresh experience right um but yeah even like good guys bad guys they all had layers to them and you could you could feel for them all and they they had a very visceral uh, representation of trauma in the show, which, similar to what you just said about Eternals, is something that is often lacking, is the repercussions of actions and stuff like that. Um, They've set up, they've done so much setup for future series, while also wrapping this one up well enough that it was a really good watch on its own, and I'd recommend watching it, even though it kind of obviously is setting up a season two, I'd recommend jumping in now and enjoying it. Um, The plot wasn't, like really out there creative and fresh but it also wasn't too predictable um and it leaned heavily into the medium so they know they're animating stuff for this so they can lean into that for like uh just if characters are going from a to b let's go from a to b in a cool way rather than just like the plot goes from a to b um the voice work with everyone i loved it I thought even minor characters the voice work was well done which oftentimes is another element that kind of gets a little bit lazy when you see Netflix animations and similar similar studios animations or similar producers animations um so I just I just recommend the show if you like games or not, if you like League of Legends or not. It is an actually good show. It shocked me and it's especially meaningful because we've been talking about how difficult it is for the games industry to make media for like films or TV and this is a this is a huge success story and it won me for sure.
1: Okay, time is ticking down so let's uh quickly have a listen to the new and I believe final trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home which is the third of the Tom Holland Spider Man movies. Here's a
0: question. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider Man, we started getting some visitors.
1: From every universe.
0: Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto
1: Octavius.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name?
1: Okay, I think that noise just before the clip from you there, James, summed up how I felt about the trailer. What did you think?
0: The more I see from this film, the less excited I am for it. Right. Yeah, it looks very Sony. <laughs> Not very Marvel. Very <laughs> Explain ex- what you mean by that. It just, it just feels like they've gone for the put more characters on screen so the people will be more entertained method of entertainment which right. is one of the reasons that Marvel's achievements so far were usually aside from the Eternals and stuff like that an accomplishment because they could have so many characters at once and it felt really good whereas this trailer is just like here's a bunch of characters and I know in my head there's more that weren't in the trailer <laughs> um, and it doesn't it doesn't really appeal to me the way that they're, they're I'm seeing them uh, I know the hook now. I understand the story now. Yep. I think I've seen the whole film twice now. Um I'm probably going to watch it, but it's I'm not really excited for it. I think the second film kind of lost me for this Spider-Man story arc and the third one might just put the put the lid on that box. No, so um, so I did I did enjoy the second one with Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. I, yeah, but it's the, it's the Jake Gyllenhaal stuff that was good, not the Spider-Man stuff. I don't really like That's that's fair. I, I think they they have a passable Spider-Man and Peter Parker. I think that's why people like it, is because he's very passable. It's just like, oh, ah, Spider-Man. But they've leaned far too much into certain elements of, uh, of the Marvel side of things in the past. And now it looks like they're going to just lean into the, hey, here's a bunch of bad guys, so deal, deal with it. So, yeah, you're right in that this trailer has given away basically
1: everything, as well as, as people have been speculating... Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, and Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, both being in it. Now I can see why Marvel would keep that up their sleeve and would then essentially show us everything else, which is, "Hey, look at all these bad guys from films you well, remember yeah, they, when you
0: were a kid." I think they were technically in the trailer. They were just masked out. You can see in a couple of the, of a couple of the scenes <laughs> that they don't really make sense unless you put a little invisible Spider-Man here or there. Interesting. Okay.
1: Well, in that case, yeah, I do think that Marvel kept that up their sleeve, because why would they want to spoil it? That's fair. Yeah. However, I agree. They've basically just shoved every recognizable Spider-Man character from the last 20 years mm-hmm. into this movie in an attempt to, yeah, as you say, get people excited. And the thing is, it's got a lot of people talking. However, I don't think it does anything for the actual Uh, quality of the movie to just cram loads of people into it for example in Amazing Spider-Man 2 they had I think three villains yeah Electro you had the rhinoceros dude you had was it the lizard as
0: well all sorts was going on and you just thought this is far too much you need to stop In the original trilogy, it ended with like multiple villains in one story and it was the same kind of mess. I don't trust the Sony-Marvel partnership to do what has been failed twice already. Um, I think the only winner for me from this is Sony. Because they're getting to establish themselves as a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Fair. Kind of in general. It doesn't mean they get to produce whatever they want now. Um, It it means they get to keep their IP and stuff like that, but it does mean that Marvel have kind of leaned into them a a little bit more again, and they're going to have a bit more of a seat at the bargaining table for future negotiations about actors, contracts, or films and stuff like that. Um, But it just looks very bland. Like It doesn't look like it's going to be a bad film. It's going to be Marvel. It's going to be passable. Marvel doesn't have a very high ceiling, and it doesn't have a very low floor. The failures aren't actually like usually a disaster. There's one or two that are pretty bad, but they're still, yep. They're still not reaching like B film category. They're still fine. They're still fine. And the successes are still just—they're not really like Oscar worthy. They're not even really near Oscar worthy. But they're just good. Well, any-
1: anything done by committee, yeah, especially in the superhero genre, is never going to be
0: particularly stand out. <laughs> Well, like the, the, the Batman films did, Nolan stuff did, and so it wasn't really committee, but it was, it was like DC must have been involved. But that, but that wasn't by committee.
1: That was that was Christopher Nolan's movie. DC must have been involved. No, but, but sure. But Marvel these days is such a all-consuming Disney-owned conglomerate yeah. that I don't think, as we've seen with as, as I saw with Chloe Zhao's Eternals, yeah. was not. It's not a Chloe Zhao movie. It's a Marvel movie. Whereas you'd say the you know the original Batman trilogy. Those are Christopher Nolan movies, they're not DC movies. They are very much Nolan
0: films, yeah. And I I do think that you see the biggest successes is still when the director manages to put a feel on the film that isn't Marvel. You look at the Thor film with Watiti and stuff like that. Right. But yeah, I I don't know what the appeal for this film is based off the trailer for me. I don't know if other people are more happy about it. I think it will be cool, but eh.
1: Okay, I'm not excited. Right, let's uh, go to one final story before we uh, wrap up with our final section. Britney Spears has described the termination of her conservatorship that uh, controlled most of her life for 13 years as the best day ever, telling her Mm -hmm. Instagram followers she was going to cry. This was uh, a judge in LA last week who ended that uh, legal arrangement set up by the 39-year-old's dad, uh, Dodd, set up by her Dodd, in uh, 2008... Uh, with the with immediate effect. so that's that. She is out of that. Congrats, and she can now go on and
0: retake control of her life. Good news, yeah. and maybe like counter sue, or even further, sue, take it to civil and try and get some compensation and damages and stuff like that. So, do you yeah, think she would
1: just? Do you think she'll just leave it as is? Though, I mean, that seems like kind of continuing the
0: the hurt or or getting out of it. Depends how sure the case is and how attached she is to 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 the idea of getting repayment. I guess, yeah, because maybe she is just happy to leave and have control over life again and you know it's uh it's a high profile case of something that happens not a lot but often enough that it's a trouble so i'm glad there is this case because other people can look to it and see that you can escape these horrible situations uh, and it might even be a little easier now that a high profile person has managed
1: Okay, James talking of one court case, let's uh, talk about a couple others on the other side of the spectrum. Right. Let's start with uh, Ahmad Arbery, uh, who this week three men were found guilty of murdering him as he jogged in yep. uh, early 2020. Now, this case, we could talk about this. We spent a whole episode talking about this when he was first murdered nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. Yes. It was only... Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't the evidence needed to go to trial. Indeed. Apparently. It was only when video footage uh, from, I believe it was a neighbour who was following him in a, in a truck, that was published on social media as a, hey, hey look what we did. And it was only then that uh, the prosecution... Began yeah. So Travis McMichael, his father, Greg McMichael, and their neighbour, uh, William Roddy Bryan, were each convicted of murder. Of different kinds, um, yeah. He was uh, different kinds. Uh, Ahmad Arbery was unarmed. He was chased um, after the three accused claimed without evidence that he'd been involved in burglaries in their neighbourhoods. Yes. And uh, this past Wednesday, the jury returned unanimous verdicts. And, uh, yeah, convicted Travis McMichael, who was the one who shot him, three times with a shotgun uh, on all nine counts. So the yeah. uh, the sentencing, I believe, will come later. But, yeah, James, this
0: is uh, justice served. It is. And it was three people who brought lethal force to vigilantism, basically. Uh, and when... It went wrong. They used that lethal force. Um, and it turns out doing so is bad. I think they had broken enough laws or they'd been immoral enough, in my opinion, just trying to be vigilantes Yeah, uh, to then cross the line into turning that into a lethal situation is obviously uh, awful. And this does, this does feel an awful lot like there is justice here. Um, I feel horrible pain for the family of uh, Arbery. I'm, I've seen statements come out from them and they seem very much keen to use this as a momentum to fuel unity rather than anger, so I think we should focus on that too. Um, And moving forward, I hope that uh, they feel more at peace knowing that there is uh, justice in getting those, you know, pretty dangerous people into a less dangerous place for the rest of us, because you don't want people out about who are willing to grab their guns and do a little bit of, bit of vigilantism with no evidence. And this, <laughs> vigilantism full stop. Never mind no evidence.
1: OK, well, let's talk about the other trial which concluded this week. We talked about it on the previous episode. This is Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. This was the uh, the teenager who shot dead two men during anti-racism protests last summer who was cleared yes. by a court. We even had uh, US President Joe Biden uh, come out to say how uh, he was... He stood by the, ju- the jury, but he was uh, dismayed by the verdict. So this was uh, the 18-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse who uh, sobbed as he was acquitted of all charges over the shooting in uh, Kenosha. And uh, yeah, that's been welcomed by those on the
0: right, as uh, Indeed. justice has been done here. Well, and, 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 and some moderates as well. Um, and... As far as this case goes, I, like, yeah, the the prosecution brought charges that they couldn't prove yep. beyond reasonable doubt. They brought murder charges to a self-defense case. They brought a gun charge that wasn't relevant to the weapon that was used. It is a complete failure of the prosecution, not a failure of the system. Um, I I I don't know what happens next because it does feel like there isn't enough justice here, especially to me, someone who lives in a country who actually sees the danger of 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 guns and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Like just to reflect on what I said a minute ago, Kyle and many other people brought lethal force to uh, a vigilante effort, and for me, vigilantism is crossing a line into murky grounds. Um, I feel like. Bringing uh, a gun with you is only going to make things worse, I think, and I've said it in a few little circumstances that it is basically s- s- proven, as far as I'm concerned, that bringing a gun only makes violence more likely, even in these vigilante efforts. Yeah, um, but as so- far as the actual occurrence of the three shootings, it was. Uh, something that could be perceived as entirely self-defense. He was the person in this case being chased down, for example, unlike the previous case. Right. So um, j- just
1: at this point then, can I just ask if if his acquittal and essentially being cleared of all charges uh, that's yeah. th- now in the history books, do you think that empowers <sighs> similar vigilante groups? You know, I'm thinking of, for example, the Proud Boys.
0: Yeah, that that's the part that, that really stings for me, is I think there is a lot of room here for this case to be used as a thing that backs up acts of vigilanteism, especially ones yeah, that lead yeah. to people getting to use their weapons because uh, it wasn't just that uh, they were being vigilantes. He and other people had expressed, uh, like, we don't have a non-lethal option. We, uh, some of them are saying that they, some people have social media posts saying they wish they could use their weapons and stuff like that. So there are all these messages within these groups that are like, heightening the likelihood of violence and death so to me there has to be some laws being broken there and if there aren't i'm amazed i don't understand how you can uh, go out after a curfew with a weapon to a place with the goal of like being involved in violence whether it be an aggressor or just somebody who's wanting to be a part of it like and then have no laws be broken when at the same time they're saying that all the people who were there on the other side are breaking laws, right? Uh, just by being there. You can't imply that every single person on the street uh, where there are riots on that side are breaking the law by being there without implying that you're also breaking the law by being there with your weapon. Uh, so it, it, it's it's just, it feels like there's a lot missing to me and it's a shame that it can be wielded by uh Groups who are more inclined to repeat this um, as a as a thing that backs them up, um, and I don't know what you do to counter that. I think Kyle kind of did a little bit of countering because he has expressed support for BLM in the days since,
1: which dismayed a lot of people on the the right. They were like, "Oh, I can't believe yeah, it! Yeah, exactly! I can't so believe he, he
0: supports you know equality." He removed a little bit of his like deification in their eyes. And by doing that, um, and I think he's the only person that can control where the narrative goes from here. Yeah. And I can only hope that he doesn't take this as an opportunity to grasp onto celebrity because celebrating this uh, situation doesn't matter. I think um, I think if he got done for the murder, it would have been a miscarriage of justice. And I think it is uh, a poor sign of justice that he didn't get done for anything at all. But the but the prosecution is the failure here, not the jury. Yeah. Uh, the The judge was a bit weird uh, in some ways, but I don't think any of the weirdness really affected the case. Uh... Indeed. So there's just gaps. And there's and we, it's, it's America. We know there's gaps. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully they, they fill in some of those gaps.
1: OK. Time is gone. So let me briefly cover these stories. Bulb Energy, which has 1.7 million customers across the UK, has gone into administration as a result of soaring gas prices. And this, dear listeners, is my provider. Wow. So it's the largest UK energy company to face such difficulties following this rise in prices. It's being played into special administration mm. where it's run by the government through Ofgem. Mm. Uh, customers have been told they will see no disruption, supply will continue as normal, and then when they adjust the price <laughs> cap in February, who's to say how, how much higher it will go? So yeah, that's right. where we're at, James. Uh, this, yeah. this, uh, this idea, though, we're going back to too big to fail. Exactly. Yeah. Which uh, sounds very uh, familiar for those of us who remember the financial crisis. So, <laughs> bulb. Yeah, the latest to go. We may well yet see yeah. more similar, or perhaps even bigger, energy companies having to go through the same yeah. process of special administration. Yeah,
0: wherein the taxpayer pays the losses. Um, which is the telling part of the story for me, and it's going to be the situation in all of these things. Public utilities need to be public. Um, so I, like, yeah, it's public now. That's great. But we should also have it public when it is profitable so that it actually balances the tax sheets instead of uh, the taxpayer always taking on the failing business, bringing them back into an, an inch of profitability and then it being reprivatized so that rich people can take money from it for a few years until it f- is failing again. Just quit, the, quit that element of it. Just keep it public. And then when it's good, it's public, and everyone's happy. When it's bad, it's public, and nothing goes catastroph- catastrophically wrong. Instead of us always being the the, the fall guys for when the, the private sector fails. So we pay them, and then we pay... Our- Uh, uh, We pay for their losses, too. Okay, penultimate story. Let's talk about COP26
1: linked to uh, energy. That, of course, came to a close in Glasgow last week. Yeah. Uh, The biggest shift, though, was in the big statement that all the countries came together to write (laughs) and to agree on. Yeah. They agreed, rather than phasing out coal, they're going to phase down coal. Yeah. And this change was made after late interventions by China and India. Um, It is the first time. The plans to reduce coals have been uh, reduce coal usage have been mentioned in such a climate deal. But yes, phasing down rather than phasing out. Yes. Which uh, comes down to the money
0: then, doesn't it, James? Yeah, it just feels a bit weak. And it is countries who rely more on the coal sector to make their money or to power their grids that are more keen to have an easier life ahead of them where they don't have to completely transform. They can just be a bit lazy and keep the money flowing. Um, it's no real surprise that this is how it went. Um, It it is, uh, in quotes, progress. It's just never going to be strong enough to satisfy people who actually care about the future of the world. Um, However, again, it it, it is kind of relying on the idea that we can incentivize carbon recapture and the removal of other greenhouse gases and the reduction of emissions where you are making emissions and all that stuff. Which, as I've said many times, the only way we can have success in the current system is to make that stuff profitable for people to do. The system sucks. The system is corrupt. The system is driven by people making money. So you've got to make it m- easier for them to make money by being good than the, the, it is to make money by being bad. Okay, and... And that's, that's again, the taxpayer pays, as always. Okay, and uh,
1: lastly, for the time being, uh, because time is gone, let's talk about YouTube, who have now... Hidden dislike counts on YouTube videos. This is in an effort to uh, protect content creators from harassment. And uh, essentially, yeah, so videos which would often be in the past uh, subject to, let's say, dislike hijackings where a certain person would get set on by keyboard warriors and their videos would be dislike ratioed. To
0: uh, Mm -hmm. high heaven. Yeah, it was a a huge problem. So now if you go
1: on YouTube, you'll only see the number of likes a video has rather than how many dislikes it has, in most cases. Yeah, and you
0: see whether you've disliked it or not yourself. Right. What do you think of this? (laughs) Which is great for repeat viewers. I think they're um, making a decision for reasons that are very different to the ones they're saying publicly. How so? I think they came up with some very presentable and public reasons to, to say why they're doing this but really it'll be for profit and it'll be to make corporations happy it'll be to make the platform easier to monetize it is not for anyone's mental health they don't (laughs) care about mental health it is not for um keeping small creators from being vulnerable they don't care about small creators uh we already had the ability to turn off um similar like the our, our 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 view of our videos results and stuff like that um But I I don't think it's like a scummy move either. It's just how the internet is going. It's not really a surprise. Like, they did it. We'll we'll move on and we'll find other ways to to show that we dislike a video. Uh, If there was no dislike button from the beginning, we'd have found a way to tell people we dislike their video and it will be done. The top comment will be up for a dislike in the video or something like that. Um, So, yeah. So, for me, they've just found a not really convincing presentation for why they've done it, but really they're just trying to make more money.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think this is, as you say, if they were going to do something about mental health of of creators, they would have done something about comments or uh, something else other than just a dislike button because that to me is a pale... Or not a pale excuse. Well, yeah, it's just a not very good one. Because ultimately, it's the corporations, the ones who want their videos to get all the likes and get all the shares who you instantly go on and see that it's been, like, disliked intensely. Yeah, And then you'll just be like, you know what? I'm just going to add to this because, you know what? Jaffa cakes. I don't like your messaging either. <laughs> Whereas now, if they get rid of the actual dislike counts, there's there's none of that.
0: But it's it's another reminder to me that I use the internet very different to most people, or differently rather, uh, because I remember when they changed the way your 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 the homepage worked, where your subscriptions didn't matter so much. I was like, people look at their homepage? What on YouTube? Because <laughs> the only thing I ever do is look at my s- subscriptions page. Oh, right, right. Um, and for this. I don't remember the last time I looked at a like to dislike ratio before watching a video. I only watch videos I'm interested in because of the content they're presenting. And if I don't like it, I stop watching it. And that's okay because I learned something new. I learned this channel isn't to be trusted. And then that's knowledge that I have gained. Whereas I've watched videos that have like 30% dislike ratio or beyond 50% and I've liked them. So I've never cared about the like to dislike ratio. And it... And it just reminds me that I I browse very differently to, to normal folks, and maybe I'm not the best talking point for this. So thanks for listening to me, everyone.
1: OK, good stuff. And if you want to dislike this video, bog off, you can't, because it's a podcast. But thank you very much for listening. You
0: can't dislike our most recent video. You though. can We do have
1: one. At cease operate on Twitter, cease at gmail.com. Time has disappeared as usual, James. So I'm just going to say thank you and good night. It has. And uh, hopefully you maintain good health for another week and we can do this again next week. Likewise. Thank you, Colin. You're very welcome. And thank you, listener, if you're still here. OK, bye, James. Bye.